0: mm <laughs> Support for this episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting. Chirpy Bird helps clinicians navigate the transition to value-based care. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they
1: overcome challenges, work they're proud of advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much
0: more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. Join us while we talk with Tiffany Crenshaw, CEO of Intellect Resources. Tiffany brings over two decades of healthcare experience to recruiting, strategic vision, sales, and fostering client relationships. She's talking with us about what's happening with the healthcare and health IT workforce and its future. She's also providing insight on what employers and job seekers are getting right and getting wrong.
2: So you are right. I have enjoyed listening to your podcast and um, learning about other facets to the industry. And yes, it can get very complicated, but I kind of feel like our piece is simple, We primarily work with hospital IT departments and primarily to narrow that down with the software systems and applications related to patients. And what we do is we will help our clients either help them find resources that can install, support, optimize those systems or we recruit them and they hire them, or uh, we help them identify they've got project needs, uh, they have an implementation at hand, they've got a big optimization project or a refresh project at hand, and they're going to need some talent to do that. And we'll work with them to identify what talent they need, and we can bring consultants to the table to help them figure that out. So really, that's our niche. At the end of the day, the people that we recruit end up either project managing big big installs, they end up being the hands-on technical folks that do the design and build of the application. They may be the subject matter workflow um, experts that come in and help do gap analysis or kind of design the workflow that, that goes with the system, the trainers who um, train the end users how to use the system, and then the big activation teams that come in at the end to help them turn that on. So at the end of the day, the people that we look for do that work, and either the clients hire them or I hire them and loan them back out as uh, consultants. Hopefully that helps.
1: So what are kind of some of the hot things people are looking for right now? Because, you know, health IT and health tech is super prominent. I'm sure you're incredibly busy, you know, but people certainly aren't doing initial installs anymore like they used to. There's a lot of transitions going on from time to time. What is kind of the the hot skill set you're seeing or, you know, the biggest demand?
2: Okay, well, you really uh, identified as for the last oh, eight to ten years or so, We've been very, very heavy in installing the electronic health records and helping hospitals get ready for that. And there's still a little bit of that business going on right now. There's still some hospitals late to the game. There's still some hospitals that have made decisions and want to rip and replace what they've done. And then, of course, there's still some activity along with mergers and acquisitions out there. But where we are seeing a lot of growth right now for us individually is, A lot of these unique software products that have found gaps in the EHR, they have, you know, specialty applications that the EHRs are not meeting. And those companies really also need help with their implementation. And what's so unique about those companies is a lot of them are either very, very small startups or they're very large global companies kind of moving into this area. And in both cases, they're slightly out of sync with what hospital implementation expectations are. So we're finding a little bit of a niche and working with those type companies and kind of helping them work with their end users or their end clients and getting their pieces of software or their devices installed inside of hospitals. So we personally are seeing a niche and an uptick in that. Overall, the kind of positions that are really starting to bubble up because many of these EHRs are in is, you know, the point of the EHRs was to start gathering all the data, right? So the EHRs are in, the data is being gathered. So we're seeing a huge uptick in needs for folks associated with what do you do with that data? So they're the um, the data warehousing side. So the architects, the DBAs, the front end, you know, GUI developers Um, that are taking that data, they're managing that data, they're making it accessible and aggregated and modeled for the end users. Then you have the report writers that, you know, know how to dig into that data, produce the fancy reports for um, the end users. And, of course, you have all the analytical folks and the um, statistical folks and the informatic folks that are reading the data and making sense of it all. We're also seeing a big uptake in security, especially where it comes to medical devices. And, you know, we we still kind of feel like that security area is still very much kind of the wild, wild west. You've got a lot of cowboys and cowgirls out there working in the security and trying to um, lasso that all in and kind of create the um, strategic plans for hospitals and executing those. And I would say the last two areas we're seeing an uptick in is really the ERP, kind of the non-patient-centered applications, um, because those have kind of been ignored with all the hype of installing the EHR. And, you know, now hospital, you know, money is coming back around and they're reevaluating their financial systems, their uh, materials management systems, payroll, accounting, HR, in that area, and there's kind of a new player in the game, uh, Workday. We're seeing a lot of uh, requests coming in from Workday. They seem to be stealing some business from the Oracle and PeopleSoft out there. And then I would say the last area of are project managers. There have been such a need for project managers to work on the EHR implementations and so much money and time and energy allocated to doing the EHRs but they're you know you talk to any hospital and they're just mounds and mounds of, of countless projects that need to get executed so we're seeing a big uptick in just general project managers So for the last eight to 10 years, everybody wanted an epic project manager, epic project manager, but now they need folks that have got uh, more diverse experience to come kind of pick up that project management workload and push projects through. So those are kind of the areas we're seeing a lot of uptick right now in our corner of this industry.
1: So Tiffany, let me ask you another question. There's a lot we're Mm -hmm. hearing about lately with, you know, it used to be really about the AI, the machine learning, the data piece you kind of hit on. Um, Something we've heard a lot about lately is social determinants of health. Are Mm -hmm. you seeing any specific requests for people that have expertise in that area or maybe more specifically certain niches even in population health?
2: Not in my corner of the universe. Uh, We really haven't seen a lot of that. Of course, you're, you're reading it in all the articles in the magazine and it's out there in the horizon, but it's not trickling down yet to folks coming specifically and saying, you know, I need somebody very strong in AI or precision medicine in there. It's just not trickled to us yet, but it will. We're expecting it to.
1: Let me ask you another question. As a consumer of healthcare, um, Mm -hmm. obviously, you've probably come to know a lot more about healthcare and health IT in general through your Mm -hmm. business and the details of this, and really its evolution, maybe more so than Mm -hmm. just the topic itself and where things were and where it's going. Does your experience as a consumer, does it ever have you looking at things differently, either personally when you're having maybe an encounter yourself or for a family member or, you know, professionally, does it have you think about things differently?
2: I would say as a consumer, yes. And, you know, for whatever reason, over the last two years, our family has been in and out of uh, physician's offices and MRIs and broken ankles and knee surgery and all kinds of stuff over the last couple of years. And so I feel like I have done a deep dive as a consumer. And I really, in a lot of ways, like what I see. I think we still have a lot of work to do. But to be able to go to you know one of the little InstaMed places and get a quick checkup, you know, or get looked over because someone's got a sore throat or strep throat, and then to go to your regular primary care physician and see those records align, you you see the end result as a consumer of um, everything that we've been doing on the IT side, and I think that if you haven't really been working on the IT side. You may not look at it that way. You know, all that integration that is happening in the back end and the sharing of the electronic health records and the sharing of the patient data as a consumer, it's just so, so great to see it come together. But I don't know if my mother would appreciate it the same way that I do because she's not looking at it through the same lens.
3: That makes a lot of sense. I would like to actually kind of go back to the whole recruiting conversation. And if we're talking about people, that are looking for jobs in healthcare or health IT, you know, they may have some a, a skill set, or it could be anything. But you know, there's so many different jobs within healthcare or health IT. Do you have any advice for people that could allow them to kind of market themselves better or improve their skill set so that they would be more attractive to certain healthcare facilities or healthcare jobs?
2: That is a loaded question, and we can take that into a lot of different directions. but let me just kind of start by saying the healthcare i t has a long kind of steeped tradition of developing their own talent and pulling folks off the floor from nursing or pharmacy or lab and moving them into the i t side because they really or at least in my corner of the healthcare i t Those are the folks that bring the workflow experience, the process experience, and it's easier to teach them the technology than it is to take somebody with a technology background and necessarily teach them the operations and the workflow. So we are an industry that is very steeped in that tradition. We also are an industry that typically does not do a lot of recruiting right out of college and say getting, you know, someone that's, you know, just graduated and pulled them into that program. So when asked this question and people say to me, hey, you know, Tiffany, I've really had a hard time. I want to be in healthcare IT. What? How do I get into that? My first answer is always to go into somewhere in the operational or the clinical side of the hospital learn whatever that workflow or whatever that department is you know whether it's HIM or registration or scheduling and learn that well and then start kind of demonstrating that you're strong with the technology and start raising your hand and volunteering when there are opportunities to be a super user of a system or to get involved in a, you know, project and raise your hand that you have a interest in the IT side. I feel like that kind of puts you through kind of the the traditional recruiting ground for hospitals and to get into those IT departments. I also feel like there are just loads and loads of vendors out there that have software products that they want to put inside of hospitals that, again, fill those gaps in the EHRs. And I think that's a really good place to go, particularly these smaller ones, because they don't have the budgets necessarily to go hire super, super experienced healthcare IT folks. And oftentimes they are a little bit more willing to take a risk of someone that may have the attitude versus the aptitude and willing to learn. So we kind of see that as an entrance point too. Of course, the big vendors like Epic and Cerner, and those are good places to go to get you experience as well.
1: I think that's really great. I think in, Mm -hmm. you know, my 15 plus years, I have seen a lot of what you just described. And the whole reason I got Mm -hmm. involved in EMR, I was actually doing HR specialist type work for a revenue Mm -hmm. cycle management company. And they asked me mm-hmm. if I wanted to do an EMR install. They didn't like vendors. They didn't have a budget to go hire, you know, a next gen certified professional. I raised my hand and said, yes, walked back to my office, my little cubby and said, and Googled what EMR was. Cause I had no idea. <laughs> and then the rest was history. And so you, you know, saying yes to an opportunity is something that my Nana always said, you know, you, you say yes. And then you figure it out sort of thing. Right. Uh, and so yes. I, I think that's, I think that's a really good thing is to get in on the ground floor and to seek out and be driven with those opportunities. And it's also a repetitive narrative and theme that we hear from a lot of our guests. So I'm glad you mentioned that.
2: Absolutely. A hundred percent. Seize those opportunities when they come. That's great. I love your story.
3: Can we transition to our second question, which is basically revolving around, if you could put your magical utopian hat on and solve any problem in healthcare or health IT that you see, what would it be and why?
2: You may be looking for a a more altruistic um, answer, and I would love to leave that to the, the clinical and the operational professionals in hospitals, but I can tell you from my world, if I had a magic wand, um, there is one major thing that I would love to see changed in this industry, and it is a, a growing problem. You know, we did not have this kind of uh, problem, you know, when I first started this company 20 years ago. It's getting worse, and it's going to continue to be a real challenge for Um, hospitals and consulting firms, because we're getting ready to get into a huge workforce um, shortage globally, and it's going to hit the U.S. pretty hard, and it's going to hit the healthcare industry very hard, and that's going to trickle down into the healthcare IT industry. So the problem that I'm kind of referring to is um, the lack of um, red carpet for lack of better words, or respect that is shown oftentimes to candidates in the interview process. And I'm sure there are a lot of candidates out here kind of cheering now when I say this. But here's the picture. A client calls uh, a hiring manager. They're stressed out. They're super busy. Part of the reason they're stressed out and super busy is because they need talent. They need additional bodies on the ground to come in and help them push projects through. They're stressed. They're working long hours. You know, they call their HR departments. They call their outside partners, whoever they are using to help them get talent in, right? And they do a data dump. This is the kind of skills I need. Here's what I need. And whoever is working on that, whether it's their internal team or whether they're using an outside partner, a lot of work goes into um, getting the candidates to the door for that stressed out hiring manager to look at. And then the hiring manager doesn't respond or they respond and maybe they schedule an interview and then they wait six to eight weeks to give interview feedback in there. And this is really a, a snowball. It's happening more and more and more and more. And sadly, I feel like um, the decision makers and hiring managers, they forget what it's like to be a candidate that has gotten their excitement up about an opportunity. They've gone through all of the um, kind of the, the, the self thinking is, is this role right for me? Am I ready to make a change? Can I work with this salary range? Am I willing to get on the road and travel? Am I willing to relocate? So they've gone through all of this energy to get to the table. And then there is no, Response, or they get very prepared and psyched up for an interview and they get excited again, and then there is no response from the interview. And it's really starting to be an epidemic. And I will tell you, just in the last couple weeks, I've had two candidates literally pull themselves from the process because it took very long, or they felt like um, the clients weren't particularly respectful to the process. And then when the clients were called to say, hey, this candidate's kind of pulling out of the process, they get a little bit miffed at the candidate. But that hiring manager has just kind of forgotten what it feels like to be that candidate to kind of get your hopes up and that time frame and those type things. Um, but when this does happen, it's just, you know, that hiring manager, they're back now back to square one from where they started, stressed out, don't have enough time in the day, need help. You know, their internal teams help them get to that point if they've used an external vendor or they've gotten to that point, you know, and, and nothing is solved in that. And it really is a growing epidemic. If you talk to HR professionals, if you talk to candidates, it's happening everywhere and it's happening in much more uh, frequency than it ever has before. Um, and then that also trickles down into the onboarding process. I feel like, um, you know, over 50% of the time when someone has made a hire, they're not ready for that new hire. The technology isn't ready. Their access to the EHRs isn't ready. There's no one assigned to train them. Their phones aren't working. Their email isn't set up. Uh, you know, when this person's finally kind of waded through that process, and they've shown up for their first day on the job, and it's not a really, really good feeling. And we do have quite an epidemic of this in the healthcare IT industry right now.
1: And if you I know, had a
2: I would change it.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think that's a great thing to change. And you know what? Mm-hmm. That initial impression, they're not going to get a second chance to make it, and it's going to set the tone. And when I hear you Absolutely. say that, my husband recently started a new job, and he basically when i met with his boss the first day went over to the school didn't have a badge didn't have a laptop but had all these expectations thrust upon him about doing things and it just made for a really disjointed first couple of weeks because they weren't ready
2: absolutely and i think it's because we live in this over busy society that hiring manager is hiring because they are over busy. And to have to sit back and think about how that that works. Now, with that said, there are some hospitals and some clients who do this incredibly well, but there are a lot who don't. And what's interesting is if you look outside of the healthcare IT market, you look at companies like Nike and Coca-Cola and Google, um, one of the things that you'll start kind of hearing about is, is kind of brand management and why those companies are so intent on cleaning up their recruiting process and their onboarding process because anybody that gets disgruntled during that process, they have an opportunity to lose them as a consumer, right? And I don't oh, yeah. think hospitals are anywhere close. To thinking about in this competitive day to get the patients, right? Every candidate that lives in your market that might be treated poorly through that process, you have a potential of losing them as a consumer of your product in there. And, and that's not, it's registering in kind of the general, particularly kind of that, that commercial, that retail, well-known brand market. Eventually, that's going to trickle over into healthcare.
1: Well, that, that is the adage, and even not as a direct mm-hmm. consumer. They say when somebody's unhappy, right, they go tell, what is it, 10 people about it? It's only when they're really elated, they might tell one. So I think you bring mm-hmm. up some really great points. Let me ask you one question mm-hmm. before Joy kind of goes into our last question. You said there's a lot of healthcare shortages, um, or a lot of workforce shortage coming, especially in healthcare mm-hmm. and health IT. Within the scope of health IT, is there one area Where there is a shortage now, or you anticipate a greater one in the future? Well, I want
2: to go back to look at where our funnel is, where we get candidates, right? We get candidates out of the clinical areas and out of the revenue cycle areas. And you look at statistically... There is a, a growing burn right now for physicians and nurses, right? There is a shortage of those to go around, and that's only going to get worse, which then creates a shortage of people trickling into the healthcare IT market. So that's one area that I think we're going to feel the burn in the workforce shortage. And then the other um area that I want to bring some attention to because I think this is another interesting trend in our industry is if you look at colleges, and this is very appropriate right now with what's going on in the news and this admission processes, but colleges right now and universities are getting incredibly expensive and getting incredibly competitive. So one of the things that you're seeing in kind of that academic market is we've got a, a rise in the number of people that are purposefully opting out of colleges and choosing to do the community college route or try to do something different, right? So part of the cause, the root cause of this workforce shortage coming up is that we are um, starting to lose. Uh, will be losing kind of fresh graduates coming out of the colleges with the bachelor's degrees or the master's degree. So you're going to see that trend happening. A fewer folks coming out of there, more people opting out. Meanwhile, in the last 20 years, I'm starting to see just in the last four to five years an uptick of the degrees being required for healthcare IT positions. Master's degrees, bachelor's degrees. When we first started, nobody really cared. You know, are you passionate about this industry? Do you have the skills to take it? And we're starting to see uh, more positions come through with stronger requirements for bachelor's and master's, which we've never really had in healthcare IT. So I think those two areas are going to collide. And I think that's easily um, could very easily be overturned if, if if hospitals and consulting firms would really evaluate: Do we really need that degree? What is the purpose? Why do we need that? Um, and you'll have a, a greater pool of candidates to pull you through that.
3: All right. Let's transition to our third question, which is uh, letting you know we are building a hit like a girl reading list, and so it's already quite long. And we're basically trying to help our listeners that if they're interested in um, a certain area in within healthcare or health IT, that they can sort of accelerate their learning. Ultimately, what we want to know is if you have any books or reading, you know, something that you've listened to or actually physically touched, um, it and no need to necessarily leave out blogs or podcasts, but if there is anything fiction or nonfiction that has impacted you either personally or professionally that you think others would benefit from, can you please share those with us? I can.
2: I'll give you a couple um, real quickly. First of all, one of my favorite books is Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. So like John D. Rockefeller or not, he certainly was very, very successful and he had some very, um, Um, business principles that he really followed, particularly as it related to making sure everybody on your team was on the same page and in sync. And in the book, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, uh, Vern Hayes, who wrote that, and I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, wrote that, really goes through some of those top habits and, and shows you how you can execute those within your team, whether you're the business owner or the manager or what have you. Love that book. I also think Death by Meeting is a great book. It's a very very short read. It's great for anybody who is in a leadership role, and it's kind of written like it's a fictional story um, of a young kid that goes into business and he's kind of overwhelmed by how many meetings there are, and he kind of puts a proposal together for his boss. And this is kind of the cadence of how meetings should be run. Um, it's been a while since I've read it, uh, but I just remember loving it. It's a very short read and very 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 easy to apply kind of what that learning skills or, you know, kind of apply the lessons in your day to day. Girl Boss by Sophie Amoroso, um, who started a retail company. Now, she's she's ultimately kind of failed a little bit in business, but it was written when she was, um, you know, rising up to superstardom. But she has a very cool story of, you know, basically, um, you know, not really fitting in growing up, you know, kind of living out on the streets for a while and kind of turning kind of some of her ADHD and OCD into um, a passion and creating a very successful business. So Girl Boss is just a fun read. Um, And then I've recently been introduced to a um, a podcast called Support is Sexy uh, by Elaine Fluker. And she uses that term, Support is Sexy, to say that helping other women out is really a good thing and her podcast is designed to talk about uh, a lot of women business owners but you know also successful women in business sharing their stories and I think she is such a strong interviewer and um, tends to get the best out of the folks that she is speaking to and and there has not been a single one of her podcasts that I didn't learn something or just didn't kind of feel good or inspired after looking at those so for any of your listeners and your hit um, like a girl, I think all of those would appeal to, to ladies in our industry.
1: I think that's a great variety. And so, mm-hmm. Tiffany, last question, truly. Okay. If anybody wants to find you or find out more about uh, where and how you're helping people in health IT and connect with you, what's the best place to do that?
2: LinkedIn's probably the very best place because you can message me through that. You can read up a little bit about our company. You can also go to our website. We've got to contact us and uh, feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear folks' story or questions that they might have.
3: Wonderful. Well, well, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. It's been a really enjoyable conversation and I think that folks looking for work in healthcare and health IT have some insights that they can use to apply to their job search or next job move. So thank you.
2: You are welcome. I hope there's some nuggets that will help people be successful out there. So thanks for this opportunity.
1: And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us
0: or this guest, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle Pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you to Chirpy Bird Health IT Consulting for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more about Chirpy Bird at www.chirpybirdllc.com dot com